0: The world's largest flower show
1: is back, bringing colour, inspiration and good times to your summer, all in a magnificent setting. We're at none other than the RHS Hampton Court Palace Garden Festival. I'm in full view of the beautiful Thames riverbank on my left, and on my right there's a stunning array of exhibits and gardens that I can't wait to explore. We're going to be talking to the Ukrainian and American landscape designers behind What Does Not Burn, one of the most poignant gardens on display. I'll also be giving you a walkthrough of a visitor favourite, the allotment gardens, and a tour of the showground to pick out some personal highlights. Welcome to Gardening with the RHS with me, Gareth Richards. From award-winning gardens to nursery stalls packed with more flowers than the eye can see, Hampton is such an exciting and vibrant event. And as part of today's show, I wanted to walk through one of my favourite offerings here with you, the allotment gardens. So I'm right in the middle of the RHS allotment, and it is bursting with inspiring ideas for small spaces and and large ones as well. Anything edible, it's just beautiful. So we're here by the uh, Pig Hotel allotment, and it's got some lovely combinations. We've got beautiful dark lettuces, purple basil that's so dark it's almost black, and then some fantastic really, really dark chilies as well, picking up on some dark cornflowers, which is another edible flower. And it's just a lovely kind of combination of really clever ways of making edibles ornamental as well. And they've grown cucamelons over a little frame here and they're beautiful, it looks like a little um, spaceship about to take off. These cucamelons are quite good for uh, chopping up in cocktails actually, that's the main use that I've found for them. But they're cute little things, like a little tangy mini cucumber, and uh, it's good to see them used. I love combining edibles and ornamentals and so there's plenty of ideas here for me to take home for my own allotment. So I'm just walking over to a plot with two faces I recognise from last year's show. Yaz and Catherine. Tell me about your garden.
2: We went a bit wild this year and we we thought we would do a post apocalyptic Theme garden, but it's very positive, kind of post apocalypse. It is, yeah. So, our sole survivor after the apocalypse has stumbled across a crumbling old abandoned villa. So, we've got silverware on the table, and everything, nature's taken over. And they're making their home here now.
1: They're surviving through plants.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah, they found some seeds that were left over in, in the abandoned villa. <laughs> and now well, cause They've got to survive. So they've planted up a little vegetable section here and they're doing the three sisters planting with the corn
0: Great. and then
3: the, the beans coming up it. And then you have squash going underneath to keep the weeds down. And then over on the on the far side they've the little bit of the old formal ornamental flower garden which is still there. And then they're just um, yeah making up their home to get on their own because there's no one else here. So they have to Lovely. do all the It's really
1: jam-packed dyeing. with good things to eat, isn't there? I can see I can see little colourful bits of rainbow chard and.
3: We've got a soya bean here. And soya bean. Yeah, oh, so wow. this one here. So this oh, yeah, is it's a, actually got so soybeans on it. Yeah, it's yeah. got little soybeans on very here. Fab. And these are the next lot they're doing mm. here. So it's a bit of successional planting. Excellent. Um, and then we also have here, which is a, a Kayagua, or chocha. So it's a Bolivian cucumber. Yeah, it's an unusual, Fabulous. very
2: unusual plant, but grows really prolifically. The good climber. Yeah. It
3: produces a lot of fruits. what do they meal. taste like? Uh, I
2: like stuff, green peppers. Green yeah. peppers. Oh, OK. <laughs> That's why I think, a anyway. A that tastes
1: like green peppers. Yeah. That's definitely yeah. one to try. It's very
2: good. And we've got um, medicinal herbs on our cage drying, so our, our survivor has been looking after themselves with some homemade, kind of home-picked remedies. So we've got yeah. ladies' mantle, Fever few Feverfew. few. yeah.
1: I know that one because it's, it's famous for, um, it's a traditional remedy for migraines.
2: Absolutely. Well, I actually, on my allotment, I chew the leaf when I've got a More migraine, I go me. there. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've also got some pickles and preserves, so um, vinegar with some chive flowers in there. Yeah, and seed saving,
3: and there's calendula petals that they've saved, so they can then grow the following year.
1: Fantastic. And should
3: anyone stumble along them they can also grow things. A
1: sustainable design for the apocalypse. I like (laughs) it. (laughs) Absolutely. That's
3: it. You've got it. You've got it in one.
1: (laughs) Brilliant. Well it's absolutely thrumming with life and I think it's a really it's a really lovely quite a different design. So thank you so much for sharing it with us.
3: Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thanks
1: for stopping by. Coming over now from the post-apocalyptic garden to a pre-apocalyptic garden (laughs) where we're trying to safeguard and prevent any further damage to the environment. So we're here with Shannon Keary at Protect Our Playground. Hi Shannon. Can you tell me a bit about the garden please?
4: Yeah of course. So we were inspired mainly by my nephews who are twins. They're three years old and I think that when they started coming to the allotment from very very young they just inspired us to look at the allotment from a completely different point of view and we wanted to create something quite fun and playful but at the same time really bring home the message of looking at how we use plastics in the garden. So we're not saying that plastic is the worst thing on the planet and we need to get rid of it entirely, it's about rethinking where you're using things that can only be used once and really making the most of the kind of high-quality plastics that are built to last while we don't have a better alternative.
1: So I'm noticing that one of the standout features is a kind of a cold frame like no cold frame I've ever seen before. (laughs) Can you tell me a bit about it?
4: Yeah, of course. So we built this from recycled plastics the roof is made from five litre bottles that we cut up which were found on my allotment neighbour's plot there was hundreds of bottles there that were just kind of laying to waste there the bottles along one of the sides have been collected from a local event that isn't yet plastic free and the bubble wrap we actually took from one of the other exhibitors because one of the panels didn't turn up but we wanted to create something that was really accessible and that made use of a single-use product to create something that's really helpful for the garden. And I think that it, it kind of brings home the gardening on a budget. You don't necessarily have to have a lot of money to be able to build something that is going to protect your plants Absolutely. through the colder months.
1: It's lovely to see that it's with that creativity you've created something that's good for the environment but great for plants as well.
4: Definitely and it's been such a good talking point because we're with Plastic Free North Devon which is an environmental organisation. Everyone's going oh you do realise that there is plastic on your allotment and we're like we do, we do realise it's part of the messaging so just looking at things in a bit of a different way
1: and it is bursting with inspiring ideas is that a dwarf peach is it or a dwarf it is yeah
4: it is a dwarf peach it's called the garden lady peach Um, i bought it because it fits so well with my instagram name die of a lady gardener (laughs) and i do have a lady gardener rose as well which didn't come to the show unfortunately but it's a dwarf peach and you can grow that on your patio I couldn't have a huge peach tree in the allotment, but that can stay in a pot. And I'm hoping for fruit maybe next year. <laughs>
1: Fantastic, they're lovely things, aren't they? Because they've they've that great spring blossom. And then you can get peaches in, you know, two square feet of space, amazing.
4: Definitely, even if I just get one peach, I will be over the moon to have grown my own.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll be very jealous because when you get a peach fresh off the tree, it's such a beautiful thing.
4: Yeah, can't wait.
1: Super, thank you so much. Thank you. Walking away from that final allotment, just fills me with love for allotments. it really does because it just shows that you know these plots are all roughly the same size but what people have done with them is so so different and it shows that there is there can be so much creativity in small spaces and that small spaces can do so much they can have so many different functions for different people and that's just wonderful there's one garden with a special story that caught my eye the John King brain tumor foundation garden so let's head there now to find out more
2: So my name is Holly King and my connection to the John King Brain Tumor Foundation Garden is that it's named after my dad John King who sadly passed away of a brain tumour about four years ago. And the purpose of the garden that was done by Garden Club London, designed by Garden Club London, is that this garden is going to get transferred directly to St George's Hospital in Tooting. And it's going to act as sort of like a safe haven for patients, doctors, nurses, and we're going to call it the forest in the sky. So there'll be access to be able to wheel patients out. We're going to have an end of life area somewhere where doctors and nurses can just come and sit relax and chill out, and that's kind of my connection to the garden, really. Something that's really important about this garden is often when you get bad news, like when my dad got diagnosed, my mum went with him and he basically got told, you know, you have this type of brain tumour, you've only got 18 months to live, there is nothing we can do, we're going to operate once. My mum said that she remembers walking out of the consultant's office with my dad and she went to the car park and she said I was trying to find the car Holly and I couldn't find it I was so confused like I just was a mess and she said that I wish I had somewhere where I could just sit down and just take in all the information i would just been told and just have a bit of calm and hopefully this garden the John King Brain Tumor Foundation Garden will be able to enable that So you'll walk into the garden and there's lots of light colours like white, yellow, purple plants. We're really trying to incorporate all different types of flowers. So we've got geraniums, which are really beautiful. We've got salvia, black and blue, and we've got Anchilia, credo, which are really, really lovely light flowers. And then we've also got Stippa Tenesima, very light and purple. You've got beautiful trees as well that obviously act as you know shade, which is really important because that's something you have to think of with patients. You, know, you don't want a patient getting sunstroke basically. <laughs> got a lovely pine tree over there as well. We're gonna have some olive trees too. And then you've got a lovely seating area. It feels very, very light. That's how I can describe it. Very light and sunny. And I think that's what you need when you're in quite a dark place. How we worked with Garden Club London was they've incorporated flowers that are associated with healing and peace, and also as well, flowers that really attract wildlife. So for instance, some of the flowers that are at the garden here, you'll see loads of honeybees. And I think when you see some wildlife, when you've been stuck in a hospital bed, it really really helps especially like with your mental health and then also with regards to the sculpture the sculpture was created by a sculptor called Emma Rogers and what the sculpture represents is hands clapping the NHS and it's meant to look like a tree so that for instance nurses, doctors, patients, family members of patients they could purchase a hand and you could write a patient's name on it or a message and it will get added to the tree so it acts as something that will always be there. It means so much for me and my mum to be able to have the garden here today and throughout the week. And the RHS have been so incredibly supportive, letting us have this show garden. Yeah, it means the world. I've got quite emotional quite a few times and quite a few people that have come to see the garden heard the story about a bit of a cry, but you know, that's what in a way it's about. It's about getting people's emotions and feedback and yeah, it just, it means everything.
1: It was great to hear the story behind the garden and it's yet another reminder of how gardens can have great significance to us all. Hampton Court is synonymous with roses. There's an entire marquee bursting to the seams with roses. It's a real highlight of the festival. So we went in to explore a little bit more and talk to some of the growers to find out more about the nation's favorite flower.
5: Hello, my name is Liam. I'm here with David Austin. We've got a stand here. It's really busy here at the moment. We're right by the main gate. So when people are coming into the rose tent, they're coming straight in to have a sniff of the roses. We're really pleased this year to have introduced two new varieties. Bring Me Sunshine for more common Wise and also Elizabeth for the Platinum Jubilee, which has been really popular. The Elizabeth Rose, I've got one in my own garden, actually. It's an apricotty pink, which mixes really well with other varieties. So with the apricotty undertones, it mixes with the oranges and the yellows as well quite nicely. The fragrance is really vine which i think is really key for people planting roses is a shrub rose so it would be ideal for planting in a mixed border perhaps with other perennials annuals biennials you could grow it in a container but it is quite large so i would stick to growing it in the ground uh, if it were me minimum four hours sunlight is key but the sunnier the rose is positioned in uh, then the more flowers that you will get my name is david andrews from harkness roses there's a lot of myth and mystery with roses. Um, you basically cut them half back in the autumn. That stops them from blowing around in the wind in, through the winter. And then in the spring, you cut them back to two or three buds from on last year's shoots. It's better to cut them on an outward-facing shoot because that way you produce a wine-shaped, bowl-shaped plant which uh, allows good herb movement. We've had some research done on roses, and if you just cut them in half in the autumn and then cut them in half again in the spring with a hedge trimmer, they flower just as well.
3: (laughs) Hi, so I'm Sasha and I work for Eastcroft Roses. It's all about biodiversity for me. So if you can mix up your planting, that's really good. You don't have to really worry about roses too much. They're pretty forgiving. They're quite good for a beginner gardener. You can pop a rose in any location and it will look good. They grow in pots, they grow in borders. You can grow them up obelisks, up walls. So there is always something for everybody. You fill your garden full of flowers and who doesn't love sitting outside? The smell that's wafting in the evening, you've got that lovely evening sun, glass of wine, wonderful, wonderful smells around the garden. is just lovely
1: thanks to the growers there as we've heard from them roses really aren't that hard to grow especially if you do your research and pick the right one for you there are thousands and thousands of varieties available so with a bit of digging there's bound to be one that will thrive in your outside space whether that's a balcony or a great big english cottage garden there's one for you I'm currently standing in one of the most talked about show gardens this year. Right at the heart of this garden rests the shell of a burnt-out cottage. This is what Ukrainian landscape designer Victoria Maniola wanted to show here at Hampton. The garden, What Does Not Burn, was co-designed by Carrie Preston with the aim of raising donations to fund the eventual rebuilding of green spaces in Ukraine when the war is finally over. We caught up with a pair to follow the road that led them here.
6: So let's start from the beginning. Our friends call us and said, guys, where are you? We are bombed, and you are bombed. Are you home? Because they live in Kiev, and they understood the the direction of bombing is near our house. And they call us. We said, no, we are in Italy. It's okay. Everything, what's happening? And uh, so these terrible things start to develop. We tried to keep ourselves together. No government had any procedure for help for that exact time. We tried to solve our problems with banks, with house, with everything, because we went not not preparing at all. We had with us like 500 euros in a pocket and that's all.
1: This is Victoria Maniola, a landscape designer who was unable to return home to Ukraine. She was in Italy for the My Plant and Garden exhibition when Russia invaded, and she found herself stateless along with her husband Alexei. The couple stayed in Milan until it became clear that the occupying forces were not leaving anytime soon.
6: On 24th, they were able to change our tickets from Milano-Kiev to Milano-Prague, and we went to Prague to our son. During this strange and terrible period, you cannot plan anything more than tomorrow, farther than one week, and you think all the time, maybe in a week or so we will go home or something like that. Frustration, everything is frustration and you cannot see any beauty, you're just stuck on news. Then maybe in the middle of March, we decided to go to Germany because we understood that it is just going on and no plans for even one week or two week or month to go to Ukraine. Then we went to Germany and that's how we met Carrie. We just appeared to be eight kilometers from her home. We called her and said, wait for us, put your kettle on. <laughs>
7: yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how it went.
1: Carrie Preston is an American garden and landscape designer currently living in the Netherlands. Together, they recognised that eventually Victoria and Alexei would need to return to work. But fleeing from a war that continued to destroy her home left Victoria bereft of the art and the joy that she was used to drawing on to create lush landscapes and gardens.
7: The first time you guys came, it was just to touch base and and just sort of have a day to forget about everything. And we walked around my city and we walked in the park and we had a beer and bitterbolla... And I'm not sure if it was during that visit. We said, let's come back another time and visit some gardens. And so at that point, I had said, well, it would be good to do something that like, can be a project. Well, maybe you should do a show garden. They
1: developed the idea that became the show garden, What Does Not Burn, which has taken pride of place at the RHS Hampton Court Palace Garden Festival.
6: We started with the idea about the war. So my client sent me a video of his house, which we built a garden around for two years. And it was beautiful and brand new house. And in the video, there are nothing, only ashes. It was like bomb and fire because no remain, absolutely clean space with ashes. And that was the main idea we start to brainstorm. I think the time of Hampton Court works out really
7: well because whereas in March and even April everyone cared, everyone was donating, everyone was active and protesting, our, our attention spans are really short. Whereas the bombing still going on and it's it's worsening, and so we want people to remember what's happening, to care what's happening, and to know that that they need our help.
6: While we projected, I said no. I want more tank tracks, I want more fire, I want more ashes, more pain, more everything. And Kerry said that, you no, know, we should do this garden like um, for people who we want to stop here on this point and look at this and not run from this pain, to feel this but from different side and to understand that this can happen in your country, in your house. Ukraine feels comfortably far away? and it's not and I
7: think if we show that the trees that are growing there and the plants that are growing there are not that very different and actually very much the same as what's growing in England and most of Western Europe we can realize how very very close this war is and that uh, this danger is not just for Ukraine but it's for all of us.
1: We met Carrie and Victoria on build day in the week before the garden's grand reveal
7: We've got today and one more day to get everything done, and it's looking pretty decent. We've got our barley field in, and we're working on our road where we have lots of field flowers and a little bit of a more woodland section in the back. And it's a light touch in the planting so that the cottage and the rushniks really shine, An emotional planting in a way, very evocative of uh, Ukraine.
6: Yes, I feel at home. With this barley field, with some weeds inside them, with this uh, viburnum, which is Kalina, the willow fence, it is so natural for Ukraine, the spots. But still, everyone should understand that all these plants could be like Europe for uh, Britain. It is the same we have in Ukraine. <laughs>
1: Despite enduring an impossible trial, Victoria had the same pre-show broil of emotions that consume many first-time designers.
6: I'm excited and yes, I'm nervous. I don't know how what to expect from this. It is amazing experience I've never had, and I wouldn't have had it if if the situation wouldn't come all together. Yes, and thanks to Carrie to have me here, yeah. We started off with an
7: archetype, and now that you're here, it's getting a personality, and you can imagine the hollyhocks blooming and how that kitchen garden had been, and it's become a real place.
6: I want to ask you all who listen to this podcast, please join us in making Ukraine's new life, new life for greenery, for cities and for parks, and for people. People can donate to our charity, which is Yellow and Blue Make Green, where all the money will go to Ukrainian parks and gardens rebuilt.
1: It's a really poignant story, it really made me think in Britain we moan about slugs and snails or maybe deer and badgers but having a war threaten your garden is something that's almost unimaginable but this really brings home the impact that the conflict is having. And a really kind of poignant part of the story is there's a trizurb sculpture in the centre of the cottage. This trizurb is a historic symbol of Ukraine, it represents a phoenix rising from the ashes and let's hope that we see Ukraine rise from the ashes soon. That's about it for today here at the RHS Hampton Court Palace Garden Festival. I've really enjoyed seeing the full range of what horticulture has to offer, from the most beautiful displays in the floral marquee, to poignant gardens, to allotments that make you think about the way we use our urban green spaces, nursery displays, everything It's just wonderful, but I am pretty exhausted now, so I am off home happy on the train. So from me, Gareth Richards, until next time, goodbye.